You've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, co-opted, run amok, soldier, white Jesus to pop the empire you up. bought the binary, you rendered under Caesar, all cause your cathedrals needed more cedar. You sold another neighbor, was seated at the table, all for the major goal to hold the scrolls in your favor. Share gospel with the slaves, with precision of arrows, with a 632 time, nine holes with Pharaoh. All hail to God of comfort, convenience, and power. This land is ours, privilege and powers, not for the cowards. Pride of placement adjacent to sacred cows. You wanna fight what's righteous? You won't hope for the hopeless. Your gospel says it all. You wanna hold the future? Well, you're tripping in the moment. another episode of 6060. We will be letting out the landing gear on our finale for Have We Lost the Grip of the Gospel. It touches on many different things and it has some very practical elements which you can take away but I won't talk too much on them right now, I'll leave that towards the end of the podcast but without further ado let's hop straight back in. I guess this one's going to be a bit of a an unusual one to go through because I guess there's a oh first let me try and see if this works if this doesn't work I apologize if it does work oh it does okay oh there you are hiding away yeah honestly no this is a serious contraption that I've got going on (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've had to buy all sorts well I'd say all sorts or like very like Cheap thing is that just to get it all the way. So there's wires hanging out everywhere that you can't see. Uh, <laughs> my camera is on the other side of the room, and I'm hoping that I can see the wires on the verge of falling out. But I guess this won't be seen on the other end, so it's it's not too bad. But at least you can see reactions and stuff now. And if I fall asleep, because I have been uh, on not a lot of high volume of coffee, but a steady um, <laughs> supply of coffee on the duration of the day, and now that it's finished, I can feel my body beginning to. Uh, Grind to a halt. So I promise I won't fall asleep. But if you do see me dip off, at least you'll have a cue visually <laughs> to wake me back up again. We'll give you a prod. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's going to be a, an interesting one, this one. Just because uh, it's kind of developing a. Um, Continue on from everything we discussed in the last one, but I guess I want to say for myself, there has been a fair bit of stuff that's happened in between. Um, just that Evelyn has sent through a lot of um, material that I thought was quite interesting to to look through. Um, but then it's like the stuff she sent through is like it's perfect because it's very. Um, very clear cut, very to the point. It hits the things that need to be hit when it comes to sharing the gospel. Um, and I guess there's a few I've watched where you do see like there's a sharing the gospel, but obviously the, the, it's not just a, a conversation where it's just like, I'm going to tick off these boxes and then I'm done. There are questions that are asked in the midst of these encounters, which um, those who are witnessing to these guys have a, um, certain ones that I've listened to have a, a very good handle on dealing with all sorts of questions. Um, 
I guess one of the first things I found interesting, I don't know whether I mentioned it um, after, just after we did the first one um, and I was editing the first section of that episode that um, I was, I don't usually watch the Illuminate, I'll be honest. Um, confession is good for the soul. So yeah, I don't <laughs> usually watch the Illuminate. It um, doesn't really come across as sometimes just, oh, you know, you really need to watch. But I guess there's been two that I've watched up until this point. Um, one, the first one for, was for different reasons, but I guess that's something that we can touch on at a later stage. Uh, but conveniently, this one was to do with um, it's to do with evangelism and sharing the gospel. And uh, while I was editing it, it was just very interesting. I don't know if anybody else had watched it, uh, but there were certain things that they had touched on that we were t- talking about as well. But um, specifically, certain things that we had, or like at least I certainly had come to the conclusion that you don't. <laughs> Do or these things that you don't hold to when you're approaching these situations that are brought up then. Um, and I guess one of the things was obviously like this thing of um, your testimony being on the same level as the gospel. Because um, I know that um, I definitely did explain that in the, the previous session that. Um, we tend to lean on the, our testimonies to say that, you know, um, this is what God's done for me and this is why he's done it and such and such and such. And so look at all the things that I've uh, been through, all the things that I've gotten as I've gone through all these things. And um, this is why you should um, also consider it. Um, but then that sort of thing does not tick the boxes in terms of who this, like where this person stands with God at this present moment. Um, what they need to be aware of when they do come to um, to come to meet him and the books are opened up on his life and uh, what thing what has happened to stop it being a case where this person will be judged for um, everything that they've done outside of the righteousness of Christ and be given their wages and um, what the cross has done in order to make it so that does not happen and where that um, judgment has been placed. Um, there seemed to be a lot of this focus. I was like, oh, you know, this is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I guess what like, we've tried to, um, we have discussed as to what it is of in here as a group and then I guess in like, the, the WhatsApp messages as well. Um, I guess, yeah, uh, the, one of the questions was like, do as much as we're trying to, like, we've actively made a step as to trying to work out um, whether we've got an entire grip on the gospel. And I certainly myself have been looking at what the implications of when we haven't got a grip on the gospel, how that then sends ripples into every other corner of our life, whether it be personal life, whether it be um, within the church family and things like that. Um, From when I was listening to that Illuminate thing, I feel like they, it sounded almost as if they're on the, the seeking the same thing, but um, from, especially from the things that we had discussed, it felt as if we kind of need to 
slam the anchors on now to double check to see whether we really are all on the same page because I was talking to uh, my wife about it about some of the arguments that some people would have is that oh well you know um so like Peter shared his testimony and Paul shared his testimony I was like okay yes they did but um you have to think about the context they were apostles so the the criteria the first criteria of an apostle is they would have had to have met Jesus in the flesh, walked with him, learned everything from him, and they, as they've been sent out, the they'll have that as long alongside the gospel and um, uh, like the signs and wonders will follow them also to validate the um, the office that Christ has given them. But then we aren't in the same boat, so we can't say that because it worked for them, it worked for us. It's slightly different, but um, oh, I see, Alfred, you got your hand up. Sorry. No, no, you're, you're, you're good. You're good, Reese. Um, <clears throat> I'm listening to you and um, and I'm enjoying what's coming from your heart and your, and your, your mouth and your heart. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, what you're saying there about because um, that is something that I frequently said to people that um, their, um, you know, testimony is good. But there is but there is also another testimony. There's there's, there's my personal testimony. But there's also the testimony of the Lord, yeah, <clears throat> and 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 the, and the testimony of the Lord we would call it's the Scripture calls it the, the acts of God, the acts of the Lord, you know. Um, and uh, Brother Paramvir, um on Sunday you spoke about a lot of those acts of the Lord. Those are enshrined in time and in experience and in nations' experience. How it's. Uh, how the acts of God has actually made a, an indelible stamp upon upon um, the the history of nations. So you know, so like the Egyptians, the the, um, the, um, the Canaanites, um, and and the rest, the Babylonians, the Persians, and the Greeks and the Roman. The acts of God has made an indelible stamp on them that um, you can refer to without without any kind of uh, um, oh. Was there some emotion in it? Because a lot of people's personal testimony, as I said to Sister Evelyn when in, in some conversation we have, a lot of our testimonies are full of emotions. Mm. And, and, that, and that distorts what is, so what has God really done? So, but here's a, here's a thing I would post to you when we go back to the gospel. Then, and, and you were rightly, I believe, um, <clears throat> suggesting that the apostles um, are a little bit different from us. And you know, and 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 me, me and you and anybody using the apostles and the prophets as a point of reference is absolutely perfect because God, you know, they didn't become reference. A reference is something that you you relate to as kind of a standard, a kind of a barometer, a kind of a yardstick that you can refer to and know that you are you're measuring something properly. So if you if you use, you know, um, so for example, the apostles, as you rightly said, Reese, they have been tried by the Almighty God and tested and proved worthy to become references for us. Hence, you hear when the apostles are talking about when they go out and the preachers say they follow the follow whose doctrine? The apostles' doctrine. That's how that's how that's how tried and tested they became. That their gospel, um, their doctrine 
became inseparable from the doctrine of the Almighty God because it was the doctrine of the Almighty God. But the apostles were the ones whom God used to usher those, those doctrines and the explanation of those doctrines out to the rest of the world and the rest of the Christian world and the whole world. So in concluding, let me just let me just make us make a, a kind of a strange statement that I'm going to make to you. Um, you know, so so we are living, and today we are as happy as a bee and and as a butterfly, and tomorrow we are as um, confused and as discouraged and as apathetic as you can ever be. That's not a gospel that you want anybody to refer to, to, to draw their reference from, you mm. know, um, because that's that that's not proven and it's not tested. You people, your people are still God not choosing to use me as part of the gospel. The gospel is done and settled. The gospel is the gospel is finished. So the point I'm going to make, and I'm going to use something, but I'm, I'm qualified because sometimes I make some dramatic statement and it needs to be qualified. Otherwise, people go away and thinking that either I'm mad or something. So the gospel is dead. The gospel is dead. Um, the gospel is dead. You know, we have a, we have a, um, we have a, in other words, when I say it's dead, I just literally mean it, it's immutable. It cannot mm. change from what it is. It's dead. It's settled. It's engraved in stone. It cannot be added to or change. It is dead. And I use the term dead in the sense that um, in in, in language and literature, we talk about dead languages like um, um, ancient Greek, ancient Latin and and, and Greek and and ancient Hebrew. Those are dead languages. And you know what's beautiful about those dead languages? They do not change. They're finished. We talk about modern, modern Greek, modern, modern Latin, modern Hebrew, whatever. But the, the original um, Greek, Latin, um, ancient languages, they are dead. And being dead means that they are immutable. They don't change. So people use them for references. And if we got some scientists in here, which I know we have, um, so, so because they are dead and immutable, we, as, as references for, for science, for example. So you want to name, uh, you know, so for example, yeah, 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 at first we, when we had this um, coronavirus um, kind of a thing going on in the world, nations and people got personal. And when you get personal, you know, you, you, you become emotional and, you, and, and we don't know what the truth is anymore. We don't know what we're really talking about when we get personal and emotional. So what they started to do is to label um, the coronavirus, um, um, the Indian one, they tried to embarrass the Indians um, by calling it. Indian virus, right? and then there was one, the Chinese virus, and the other one, the African virus, mm. you know, because they're trying to label countries, it's become personal. But then when the science began to come back into it a little bit, they changed their mind. The Indian one is now called the Delta. You know, that is immutable. You know, you know, from now until the end of time, you could call it the del- Delta. The African one, they call it Omicron. They're using language, they're using um, Greek alphabets um, to actually label, label it. And if you find out, when you begin to, you know, if you're a doctor, a physicist or whatever, you know, a, a biologist, a botanist, they, you know, to make sure that what you call a particular plant in England 
You'll call it the same in France and Germany and Russia and India and wherever it is. You'll give it a dead language name. You know, and Brother Parmvir could, could help me with, with some of the names, well, you know, because it's dead. So the point I'm actually making here in a long way, just like, all the, so maybe language become a point of reference. You use it to, 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 for modern things to refer to the ancient language. So the gospel is dead. It is settled, it's sealed, it's, it's, it's done and dusted. All we have to do now is preach the gospel, the, the dead gospel. When I say dead, I mean it's not changing, it's not evolving, it is done. You know, the apostles and the prophets and Christ, they've done it, you know, and that's the point I make. So all we're doing, we're not modifying it, we are preaching the gospel, what has been already given, you know, so it's dead in that respect, you know, mm. it can't change, you know, and that's, that's the point I'm actually making there. Thank you. No, no, I, I agree. It, it hasn't changed. Um, but I guess we are seeing how. Um... And, and Reese, I say, I say, sorry to cut again. I say that really because of, and, 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 and forgive me, um, sometimes, sometimes we got to be blunt with some of the people um, that, um, that, um, you know, you know, say some of the things that they say, that, because they're not only saying it out of ignorance, they're saying it out of arrogance as well. You know, when a man or a woman believe that they can use themselves as reference for the gospel, you know, that is, it is not only childish, it is, it just shows and demonstrates their immaturity. None of us, we were, you know, God selected, you know, the apostles, they, they weren't just men that just found Jesus. Jesus sought them out. You know, um, the prophets, they weren't men that, uh, I, I want to be a prophet. No, God sought them out. He, 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 um, he engineered them, if you like. You know, he put them into circumstances to prove, to test them. And they came out like silver or gold tried in the furnace of the earth, you know, tested so that they can be used as references for us. Whatsoever things were written aforetime, they were written for our learning that we now, should, you know, should through comfort and hope of the scripture should find some um, um, some security. Yes, mm. you know. So, so sometimes for the reason, sometimes some people might think me a little bit abrasive. I'm not. I'm a loving person. I'm compassionate. I'm I'm trained counselor, and I understand that you know you gotta you, you empathize. You understand where people are coming from. But some of the foolishness that we um, do go on with needs to be sharply rebuked. Otherwise, it become it becomes entrenched and ingrained. And it goes on to another generation and another group of people and people end up preaching as we, we are saying here, not the gospel, but another gospel, you know, mm -hmm. and so we need some things do need to be um, um, rebuked very sharply and very swiftly. Otherwise, you know, it will become it, it damages in the hand unless it is addressed pronto and sometimes when, when people um, refuse to um, to listen and to and to understand what's being said and and therefore correct their foolishness, their error, their mistake, their misguided um, perception of things. When they literally hold on to it because it's me, because it, because this is what I feel. Those people need to be rebuked very sharply, you know. And I know some. I know we're we're in a age where people are, you believe that everything is oh. oh nice and nice you know you know yeah there are times for that but when it comes to the gospel we can't forget we can't pussyfoot about 
about it. We can't go ginger, ginger, and lightly, lightly. It needs to be roped in very, very quickly and very swiftly. And that is part of, I would suggest, part of our failings. We try to be too nice with everything, you know, until, until people don't even know whether you're rebuking them, whether you're correcting them, or whether you're having a laugh with them, you know? So we need to be very careful. And, and, we, and Jesus was no mean, he was no mean rebuker. He rebuked sharply when things, and the apostles, they were no mean rebukers. They, they rebuke very, very um, quickly and swiftly. Uh, and, and no mincing. People knew when they were when they were preaching false doctrine and things like that because they were made to understand very very quickly and very um, strongly by the apostles and Christ Jesus as well. Yeah, thank you. Mm, um, obviously, have we got something to add, Premier or? Um, yes, um, I had a, some thoughts actually that were going through my mind when, yeah, go ahead. when both of you were discussing that. The first thought is. You know, when people reference themselves, this is referred to as anecdotal evidence, yeah? Meaning that they're giving their personal experience. Mm -hmm. And anecdotal evidence is dangerous because it's uh, from the person's perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, as Pastor Alfred said, it's, it's not the true gospel. You can't have different frames of reference. There is only one frame of reference, which is the word of God. Mm -hmm. My major concern was, with the people that are using testimonies above and beyond what the preaching of the cross is, this is quite concerning because Paul says, if you notice, Paul talks about the preaching of the cross and he talks about, talks about why the Judaizers would not involve themselves with the preaching of the cross because they would have to suffer. And, you know, I, I question myself, where is this coming from? It's coming from the comfortable zones of false preachers, the ones who use psychology and worldly philosophies and wisdom to try and override the gospel. I have a, a scripture from Paul. He says we don't use words of wis um, wisdom of words. We don't use wisdom of words, but words of wisdom. Wisdom of words is interesting because these um, people who, who uh, if you notice, within a few seconds of listening to some of these preachers, you can recognize straight away that is not from God. Mm -hmm. The way they, their personality, the way their charisma, the way they move their body, their eyes, the language they use, you can find it, all of it, in Jude and Peter. He says they use great swelling words. Mm. You know, these are con men. Mm. con artists you know that are preaching the gospel these days now is it the true this is where the problem starts is it the true gospel now paul says he was happy that the gospel was being preached even though some people were preaching it for money now when they preach for money they have to preach the true gospel because you're not going to attract people unless it's the truth the only problem is other gospels come in when people so that might have been the intention of the person to start with but by and by, if they've been deceived, like um, our Old Testament prophet, Balaam, you notice that he claimed to be a man of God, but he had his own little twist. The man who fell into a trance and saw what was going on. He was adding his own flavor to the inspiration of the spirit. He actually overrode and put his own stamp on top of the prophecy. 
to say it's my prophecy. He put himself, he elevated himself before God. God gave him a word. He said the word, but then he added his little ups. Uh, can I say he bigged himself up a bit? Mm. If you notice that, yeah, he he put himself right above. You can see his demise bit by bit by bit. He's going from worse to worse to worse. Satan is tempting him little by little by little with money. Now, you know how Jesus was tempted by his temptations. These people have surely gone through that and failed. Mm-hmm. So when uh, the, the Satan tries to, when he offered our Lord the kingdoms of this world, what do you think these TV evangelists are doing? They're reaching the world. But they're building their own empires in it. Mm-hmm. They are building uh, this Joyce Meyer. She has a $4 million billion, uh, dollar mansion or something. Or is it $200 million uh, dollar mansion that uh, our so-called beloved Christian brothers who love her ministry seem to just gloss over. Mm. They don't really know what's going on. Uh, when you see some of these people, the kinds of lives they live, uh, they are not servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're serving themselves. Mm. Now, what's disturbing me is the gullibleness of so-called Christians. You know, the, uh, how foolish they are to believe the wisdom uh, of words. Mm. It's because they're fleshly. These people are worldly and they appeal to the flesh. If I'm living a sinful life and God's spirit is struggling with me, I'm sure to fall. There's a battle between the flesh and spirit, a bit like Samson. One day you're up there killing the enemy soldiers. Next day you're, you're running off with that woman. You're yielding to temptation. So these men, they are servants of the flesh. They serve their stomachs. They have secret sins. They have, they're struggling with sin inside. Some of them have completely yielded over to it and have become instruments of Satan. Others may be struggling, and perhaps they can be warned. Perhaps we have hope, as, uh, you know, we, as uh, the scripture tells us, that we should try and warn them. So, Paul, I mean, Jesus himself wanted to, he, there's a very fascinating scripture here, taken from Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 20. It says, then he began to denounce or upbraid the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Mm. Woe unto you, Chorazin. I could say, woe unto you, London. Woe unto you, New York. I could say lots of capitals where, you know, people should be repenting, where they've heard the gospel time and time again, because these are the cities usually that have been targeted by evangelists and so forth. So is the gospel, have we, have we lost grip of the gospel? Has there, is there a, a definite loss? Yes. Is the gospel immutable? Yes. So my challenge is, are we going to get two sets of people, one preaching this so-called soft gospel, smooth gospel, and ones who are prepared to suffer for the cross? So my admonition, if I can put that, is if we are prepared to preach the true gospel, we better get ready to suffer. Because it's very clear from scripture, persecution arises as a result of the preaching of the word. Mm. But if we don't preach the word, I'm afraid there's a worse fate because we have to stand before the son of God and give an account. When he says to us, I sent you 
to preach the gospel. I made, I prepared you for 30 years to preach the gospel. But when the time came, you stood back. You held your peace when you should have spoken up. I put you in places where you could have been of influence, but you drove, you drew back. You backslid and you did not obey my call. Does that ring a bell? Yes, it does. Remember Jonah in the Old Testament? Mm. This is the problem. There are people are getting their source of information from some wicked preachers and teachers, you know, on the internet, on TV that are merchandising them, that are making money from them. Mm. How, can they, how can we be effective for the gospel? What, why do we need these wisdom of words from these people? when we have the words of wisdom right here. And that's why they're not preaching the gospel, because they're not listening to this. They're not hearing God's Holy Spirit. Who are they hearing? Their favorite preacher. And those wicked preachers, they are not serving Christ, because they're going to suffer if they are. Um, um, if I can just add to that, just by reading the scripture, 2 Timothy 4, um, uh, verse 1 to 4, it says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearance and his, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exalt with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall, shall they eat to themselves, teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned onto fables. Um, I think that just sums up really what you've all said. Yeah, no, I agree, because it's, it's... Yes, and it's, I've missed out a very important verse which says, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, no, I agree because it's um, it's something I've definitely noticed um, on social media. So um, the podcast has got like an Instagram page where um, things do get posted, and it's like very, very deep theological stuff that can very much help believers and things that they haven't thought about, and like references to like, oh, okay, well, the Bible says this. Have you, have you considered it in this context? And then such and such, but then. Um, it's interesting that um, when you put things like that out, then you have um, other pages that are doing very similar things. And it's very much with like inside the organization um, that are doing a similar thing, but the people that they're referencing are people who I would consider unsavory and um, and essentially like false teachers and false preachers. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, hold on, I'm sitting here and I've already, you know, it's been probably like 15 seconds and I've already realized that I don't like where this person's going with these scriptures and yeah. what the things they're saying, or maybe not even reference the scripture altogether. Um, but these things are just being sent out because, oh, you know, it makes my my heart feel warm and things like that. So um, after, I don't know whether you guys had um, heard about the... Uh, illustration that went bad and then went very viral um via um mike todd or michael todd um where he decided to reenact um 
Jesus fitting into his hand and mixing it with clay and putting it in the, um, the eyes of the, the blind man okay. uh, to heal him. Um, he used it as an illustration to um, to say, oh, you know, when God gives you a vision, things are going to get nasty. Completely taking it completely out of context. Um, so he, uh, he had his brother standing next to him, or who was supposed to be, um, or meant, well, who was alluded to being his brother standing next to him. So he spat in his hand, spat in his hand again, snorting, snorting, spat in his hand, um, swirls it around in his hand, says his little piece saying, oh, you know, so God, you're trying to tell me that I've just bought this new car and you want me to say, uh, I want to go back in the hoopty? It's like, oh yeah, when God gives you a vision, things are going to get nasty. And then he just puts it all over his, um, suppose his brother's face and everyone's going like, oh, 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 in the audience. It's like, oh yeah, like, well, you know, when God gives you a vision, you know, that's the sort of response that they had back then. It's just like, you're taking this out of context, but like, I've been watching this guy for ages and there's several, um, there's several Christian, um, pages that are reposting his other work so it's just like oh yeah you know god wants this for you and you know when they're trying to explain stuff using all these illustrations and things it's just like okay so in one of them um like it got to a point where someone posted something about stephen furtick and um i've been in the back of my mind it's like yeah i'm hearing the same scripture so i made a stance on one of them that same week it's just like um like from us here doing this thing, you are not going to see things from these guys and I named them. So you so you're talking like like Stephen Furty, you're talking about like Joel Lowstein, you're talking about the T D Jakes, you're talking about the Michael Todds, the Todd Whites, the Patilla Shires, um, Paula White, the Beth Moores, the Joyce Mayers, because we don't need party tricks, we need just sound doctrine. And then I quoted the exact same scripture at the end, because you know, God's word doesn't need party tricks. And then after that it's almost as if there was like a line drawn in the sand and the amount of stuff that had just come from these guys now being promoted by like inside and outside it's just like that the people the people that are on the internet who are calling these guys out are being branded as mere heresy hunters also you're making a ministry just like calling out stuff and you're not trying to build put uh, build the um not trying to build the church up but then it's just like well where's your discernment where is your discernment? Why is it that like everything is just like, oh, I just want stuff that makes me feel good? Okay. Um, how does that work when you stand in front of God? And it's just like you begin to see where, like I mentioned in the past, where these certain um, certain phrases come out. So it's like, oh, you know, like I said before, um, having the discussion with one of the guys, is that it's like, oh, you know, I believe that everything you said is true about, you know, this person is a sinner and stuff like that. But um, don't you think that's a bit harsh? By whose standard? <laughs> By whose standard? If if that's what God calls us, I have to accept it. But if you think there's more to it than that, and then you look and you observe as to who these people are in their private time turning to, it's the very same people that we've decided we're going to draw the line and we've been saying, you know, these are the things that we need to avoid. These are the things that are being taught. Um, um things like the prosperity gospel that um, in the West is obviously causing major damage. But then as you go overseas, like into like Africa, it's causing far more damage than we could ever see. And it's just like, well, what, uh, as much as it's, it's, it's viewed as a, a very negative thing to call these guys out and say, oh, you know, you can't do that. You know, you, you're talking about um, um, 
people that um, don't touch like the Lord's anointed and things like that. It's just like, mm, I think you might be taking this a bit too far or the, the talking thing. And um, um, it, it's getting to the point where it's annoying me now. Which is like, oh, you're just listening to sound bites. What you need to do is you need to listen to all of their messages and then you'll understand that, yeah, no, it's everything is quoting is biblical. I don't need to do that because I'm seeing the fruits and the fruits are bad. So I don't need to sit and waste 15 hours to work out what the conclusion I've got from the consistent things that seem to be um, put out um, to work exactly. out whether this person is doing right or not. Yeah. But then... Oh, sorry, did you have something to say there? Or... Yeah, I was going to say about Stephen Furtick, yeah? Mm. Uh, this guy believes that he is God. Mm. He's, not He's made that statement. Well. He's actually made that statement. Mm. Can you believe that? So who are these people trying to fool? Who do, do they, Why would you want to listen to someone's message who's going around preaching that we become God? Mm. That's Stephen Furtick. Because mm -hmm. of they have music ministries and things like that. They're pastors, people that were failures in this world, come into Christianity, use psychology to try and get control over people. There were pathetic people in the world. They were not talented, and they've come into the church causing havoc. They're tools. Because Paul says that behold the minister, behold Satan, yeah, is a Satan is a, an angel of light, yeah. Mm. So don't marvel, he says, behold, uh, his, if his ministers be also transformed into the ministers of Christ. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Metamorpho in Greek. They are transforming themselves into the, into the image of Christ. In other words, they're fake. They become, they put on clothes to look like they are ministers of Christ, but they are not ministers of Christ because if you study the scriptures, you will realize that Christ himself makes his own ministers. You can't make yourself a minister of Christ. Mm -hmm. Paul says, I was made a minister. I was appointed. If indeed we are called to preach the gospel, we are called by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be empowered. But these people are empowered and energized by a demonic, devilish spirit. So Stephen Furtick is, is one good example. He's the worst kind amongst this group. Um, and some of the charlatans like the, the Todd Bentleys and I think the, the previous ones that you mentioned, Paula White, she's just a sham. Yeah. Uh, some of the prophecies she's come out with. Um, they're all part of the same group. And the scripture has no problem in calling them by name and condemning them. Mm. But we as Christians have to be nice. We're all brothers. We're all in the church. Or really, are we really washed by the same blood? You know, we talk about the Passover in, in the Sunday school lessons. I don't believe these people are part of, uh, are washed in the blood of Christ anymore. How can you be washed in the blood of Christ and be preaching the wrong gospel? Mm. How can you be preaching, you know, uh, for our Savior who died for our sins? How can you be preaching some other Christ who didn't die for our sins? Uh, yeah, because to be fair, it's um, there's a actually no. Um, I was going to say there's a video I've seen that someone um, I think he's younger than me. It must have been in his like early twenties. But um, oh, <laughs> camera's gone. <laughs> the camera's gone. There we go. Um, he's made a video recently 
and is literally like named everyone we've named and more and asking are these guys genuinely unsaved because the things that they're going on with just don't add up to scripture they don't add up to scripture whatsoever and he's like he's naming them there and like i've even thought myself because um one of stephen Furtick's videos ended up on my feed i was like i don't want this here but i thought let me just see what this video is saying and part of me thought, I don't know if this goes to him directly. I doubt it, but should, because I'm looking at uh, the first thing, when I see these videos, I look at the comments. So whatever's being said, I'll just scroll through you here. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, this has touched me. Oh yeah, yes, God is working. There's such and such and such. I need to share this to such and such. This is the stuff that happens in my life. I really needed to hear this. Um, if, but you look at the ones where someone's kind of posted it on their site, um, on their page, you'll scroll for you see the same things, but then you'll see one or two people that say, "Oh, you've taken this scripture out of context, uh, out of context, or where what were you referring biblically with this?" So there are people that do that indirectly, and I guess there are people who do that, like they they're calling them out um, online. But it's just like, is there anybody who are directly trying to get to these guys and like, you need to stop, mm. you need to stop, and if so, well, if if they don't have that men. It kind of goes all the way around because if I can't say like I could have sent a message to that um, Steve Fertig, um post and hopefully maybe the person might have seen it or whatever and maybe started a dialogue or um, or worse I don't know but it's just like well if I see that there we should have the um, I should have the same mentality to do it with those who are around me like to to call things out and I guess it's it's that thing of um, the things I learned this week. You have this pendulum of uh, truth and grace, um, where you got those who swing fully to grace. So they'll just accept everything. It's like, oh yeah, no, don't look at the faults. You know, they they like that sort of thing of, oh, you know, it's it's not. It's a bit too harsh to call them sinners. So you know, they feel bad about such and such and such and so. Still look after this. We'll hug them and walk them through it in the hope that they might see this and see this. And that obviously is um, allowed these ravenous wolves to just come in, and then you've got those who are strict, like strictly truth, which I guess is just like they'll like damn everything, but then um, they'll leave everything in tatters and they kind of just leave it there. And um, it was because of that you know it has to be kind of kind of somewhere in the middle where you don't you don't shift from truth because that's um, it's objective, it's solid, like you've said, it's immutable. Um, there's it's black and white. There's nothing you can do to change that. Um, but you also, um, through grace, walk with that person and minister to them and disciple them so then they know the truth and they can walk through it. And I guess that works in every sort of um, every sort of area. But then you do get to that point where I've heard where if someone is holding on to something more, um, holding on to something more than, say, like the fundamentals and they are getting very personal with it, you can use that serrated edge, much like Paul had. So, you know, if you have to use a harsh word because you need to put the brakes on, like this is getting on, see so then, yeah, but you're in your well within your remits to, to do so. And it will make you unpopular. And I feel that's, um, I kind of see the, um, you can kind of see the divide. So uh, you have people like Vody Wackerman, um, so like Justin Peters, you're, I can't think of any others. I guess like your John McCarthy's, your RC Sprouls, all these sorts of guys that are on one side. And then you've got all 
the guys we've mentioned on the other side and these these guys on this side who are saying oh you know these guys are doing wrong these guys are doing wrong so well you need guys in the court on the other side to be able to at least be discerning enough or have a good enough knowledge of scripture to be able to um to be in their community like yeah we kind of need to cut this out this is a cancer in the church it's a cancer in our body it's a cancer in our cell group it's a cancer in our family um we need to cut this out scriptures is not um advocate for this it doesn't celebrate it it doesn't um it doesn't turn a blind eye to it we need to cut it out and if we're not going to cut it out it's an idol and that's something that we need to deal with as well but um it just seemed to be this very uh self-orientated um post-modern sort of this is truth for me um and you can have your truth and this could be my truth you know we can yeah. be we can be friends um but we don't necessarily have to have a full grappling of an understanding of truth we don't necessarily need to study the bible to to work out what's true we just um essentially we go with how we feel and make it rather um subjective but um there is i will show the video that um evelyn sent us because i think it is quite um it's almost like the dividing line with everything we essentially we've talked about uh it is about 10 minutes long so hopefully if we can quite please so if i just set this up quickly apologies optimize click share sound this one share hopefully you guys can hear it as well And, and this is not some cult. This is us. Stop it. As a college student, I was taught to share the gospel using the four spiritual laws, which began with God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. However, there is a serious problem with presenting the gospel in this way. Walk up to someone and says, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Can you imagine telling that to an American? Sir, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. What? God loves me? Oh, well, that's great because I love me too. Oh, this is wonderful. And God's got a a wonderful plan. I got a wonderful plan for my life too. And if I accept him into my life, I'll have my best life now. This is absolutely wonderful. That is not biblical evangelism. Most gospel presentations today start with and focus on God's love in a way that either leaves out or de-emphasizes the importance of God's wrath against sin. God will never love you any more than He loves you right now! Instead, our gospel presentation should begin with an explanation of who God is and what it means that God is holy. Let me give you something in its place. God comes to Moses and He says this, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin, yet He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. The reaction of Moses, Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. Evangelism begins with the nature of God. Who is God? Can a man 
recognize anything about his sin if he hath not a standard with which to compare himself. We tell him nothing but trivial things about God that tickle the carnal mind. Will he ever be brought to genuine repentance and faith? We do not begin with God loves you and has a wonderful plan. We begin with a discourse of the full counsel of who God is. Oftentimes, sin is completely left out of the gospel presentation and invitation. You don't have to remind people they're sinners. They know. You don't have to remind people they fall short, not only of God, but of who they would want to be themselves. And when sin is mentioned, it's not treated with the seriousness it deserves. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you got born again. A proper understanding of the seriousness of sin is an essential part of any real gospel presentation. After that, we have exploratory questions. Hey, you know you're a sinner, don't you? That's like a few years ago, my mother died of cancer. It's like the doctor walking in on the day and say, hey, Barb, you know you got cancer, don't you? We treat it so superficially. No weight, nothing solemn. Sir, there is a terrible malady upon you and a judgment coming. The question is not, do you know you are a sinner? The question is, is the Holy Spirit so at work in your heart through the preaching of the gospel that a change has been wrought so that the sin you once loved you now hate? And the sin you once desired to embrace, you're wanting to run from it as though you were running from a dragon. I remember being asked in vacation Bible school, do you want to go to heaven? Of course, I said yes. Then the adults told me that if I prayed a prayer, I could be sure that I would go to heaven. In retrospect, I now see how worthless that question and that prayer were. Absolutely nothing in my life changed after praying that prayer. And then the question, do you want to go to heaven? This is the reason I would not let my children go to 98% of the Sunday schools and vacations Bible schools in evangelical churches. Because some well-meaning person stands up and says, isn't Jesus wonderful after showing the Jesus film? Yes. How many of you little children love Jesus? Oh, I do. Who wants to accept Jesus into their little heart? Oh, I do. Would you like to go to heaven? My dear friend, everybody wants to go to heaven. They just don't want God to be there when they get there. The question is not, do you want to go to heaven? The question is this, do you want God? Have you stopped being a hater of God? Has Christ become precious to you? Do you desire Him? That's what political theory is all about, my dear friend. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But men are haters of God. So the question is not, do you want to go to a special place where you'll no longer hurt and you'll get everything you want? The question is, do you want Him? Has Christ become precious to you? True conversion and salvation involve far more than merely repeating a prayer. And if you just raise your hand right now in a moment of receptivity and say, I believe or I receive the forgiveness of Jesus, you are forgiven forever. And I want to say to you, sir, to you, ma'am, congratulations. And thank you for making the most important decision of your life. 
Often if a person prays, they're told, after that, would you like to go to heaven? Well, yes. Well, then, would you like to pray and ask Jesus into your heart? Now, my dear friend, let me say this. There are people who get saved using that methodology, but it's not because of it, it's in spite of it. True saving faith is always accompanied by being born again, which is a miraculous work of God that completely transforms the direction of a person's life. Sir, do you desire Christ? Do you see your sin? Oh, yes, yes, I do. Sir, let's look at a few scriptures here that lay out for us what repentance looks like. Is the Spirit bearing witness that this is happening in your life? Do you see brokenness? Do you, do you, do you see that the, the disintegration of everything you thought and now your mind is filled with new thoughts about God and new desires, new hopes? Yes, I see that, sir. That may be the first fruits of repentance. Now, throw yourself upon Christ. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Today, millions of people have been deceived into thinking they are saved because they prayed a prayer. I'm looking forward to my new life with you. Amen. Well, congratulations. You have just become part of the family of God. However, more often than not, the reality is that their lives of disobedience to God's commands demonstrate that they have not yet been born again by God. And they may walk a little bit because they've been, they've been raised in a Christian culture, sort of. A church culture, anyways. And then when they turn 15, 16, when they have the strength of will, they begin to break the bonds, begin to live in wickedness. And then we go after them saying, you're Christian, you're just not living like it. Stop your backsliding. Instead of going to them biblically and saying this, you made a confession of faith in Christ. You professed Him even in baptism, but now it seems as though you have turned away from Him. Examine yourself. Test yourself. There's little evidence of any true conversion in you. And then when they're 24, 25 after college, maybe 30, they come back to church and they rededicate their life and they join right in with that pseudo-Christian morality that encompasses churchianity in America. And in the end, they hear this, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity! I never knew you! But instead of telling them that they might not be saved, they are merely treated as backslidden or carnal Christians since their one prayer, one time in their life guaranteed their salvation. If they're ever challenged regarding their conversion because of a lack of fruit or overwhelming worldliness, they defend their hope of salvation by once again affirming the sincerity of their prayer and the confirmation of their religious leaders. If any counseling is done, a person is usually admonished to turn from his or her backsliding and to begin serving the Lord again. However, the validity of their conversion is never examined or ever challenged. It is faith alone that saves. But everyone with true saving faith has been born again. And all who have been born again will love God and pursue obedience to His commands, not perfectly, but in a way that characterizes their lives. When we don't teach this doctrine of regeneration, we deceive countless people into thinking they are right with God, when in reality, they are still headed straight to hell.
Ye must be born again here in America because of the last several years, several decades of evangelism. The idea of born again is totally lost. It only means that at one time in a crusade, you made a decision and you think you were sincere. But there's no evidence of a supernatural recreating work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If any man, not if some men, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I think that probably touches on a fair few things that we've uh, already discussed, but it also um, also has other questions with it. It's just like um, yeah, kind of like I've mentioned before, like it, if we haven't got a grapple of the gospel, it begins to bleed into other things. Um, and distort other things as well. So it's like, um, it dawned on me when listening to Alfred on Sunday, when he was talking about um, when um, the prophets of Baal were um, competing <laughs> um, with Elijah. Elijah, yes. Mm -hmm. And um it, the way it stood out was just like you see how it's almost like a very good demonstration of how um when you have things clear cut, so you know the prophets of Baal, they believe they are right with their God. But um, in order to validate it, it's, it's a case of, just, oh, you know, we need to do X, Y, Z. Um, okay, things aren't working. Let's take it up a notch. Okay, things aren't working. Let's take it up a notch. So it seems very much like it's um, a salvation by works thing. And they exhaust themselves. And then you've got Elijah who's on his own and literally just through faith alone. He's had everything set up, put all the water all over it thinking that this is going to be impossible. And he doesn't do anything other than pray and God shows up. It feels as if it's like that's the, essentially that the two trajectories that tend to um, to happen when, see if you have a, yeah, if you have a grip on the gospel, it works very much in the a similar way. Not like, obviously not exactly, because I'll be taking things out of context, but um can get an air of how things just work very straightforward when you have a grapple on the gospel you um understand who god is you understand who jesus is you certainly understand who the holy spirit um who the holy spirit is and how they all work together what their end goal is how they um they work through salvation all those sorts of things but then the moment you step away from that if the if the gospel's distorted, then obviously your view of God's distorted, your view of Jesus, um, Jesus is distorted, you'll certainly have a distorted view of the Holy Spirit, and then everything is, okay, we have, um, in order to, to think that these things are going on, or to think that something's happening, we have to um, get into a euphoric experience, 
and that very much plays into like the services you have with like the Stephen Furtigs and the um and these other mega churches where it's just like it's all like lights, smoke, great music, things like that. It's so, oh yeah, you know, I was really emotionally moved by everything that's gone on here. I was like, okay, yeah, that's great, but um that subjective feeling is not gonna carry you through persecution. <laughs> and uh, and it's just those who understand the gospel understand who Jesus is, understand who God the Father is, understand who the Spirit is and how they'll work in the in the midst of your life and accepting everything that is in his word as true that, like I've mentioned a few times before, you will very much like the apostles. We told very much like in Matthew 24, these are the things that are going to happen to you. And you don't go, oh, you know what, oh, uh, maybe not, maybe not, oh, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. It's just like, Okay, it's going to be difficult, but I accept everything you say because I trust you. You have my best intentions in heart, and you know, like you have a greater will at the end of all. So I'm just going to walk in that. And it's um, yeah, yeah, it's just a a little unnerving. And it's yeah, it's unnerving and a little bit scary, like to the point where you kind of don't want to. You don't want to dig deep to find out where the roots lie in fear that you might find something that you are uh, yeah like in I'd, I'd rather think that you know we are all on the same page um like obviously there's things that need working on and things that need to you know be challenged and changed and stuff but ultimately like the i'm hoping that the foundation is at least solid but like the more you dig in the more you hear things um the more questions you ask, the way that things are phrased, the references that people make, the things that people hold dear, you begin to wonder that, um, like, well, yes, you've, you've already said, uh, like, parameters, like, have we have we lost grip on the gospel? Yes. It's just like, how far, how far, how far does that go? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a little worrying, but, um, oh, I see there's two hands up. I don't know whether Alfred, you've had your hands up the entire time. Oh, he was first. Was I first? Yeah. You sure? I I'm want, sure. I testify you were. I want to defer until ladies first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. It's just um something that's occurred to me um when you were talking about um people's view of God. And if you don't get the right view of God, you can't get the right view of Jesus and you can't get the right view of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend and um, a very sincere lady um, who, 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 you know, who, who, who is a Christian, but um, she always talks about God as, you know, uh, this is this is daddy and ask daddy, you know, and, and she'll sort of say, well, I just talk to him you know, like he's my friend kind of thing. And I, I, I do get what she's saying, but I, I struggle with it um, because sometimes, and I, I'm not saying that I'm holier than thou or anything, believe you me, it's not that, but sometimes even to say God, you know, I, I, I have to have that reverence. I, mm. I, I find it difficult to call him, oh, well, you know, just say, well, I can just talk to him anyhow and to say, even say daddy and, and whatever and, People talk about, you know, Abba Father and that means dad, daddy or whatever. But and I get that, too. But for me, you know, there needs to be a, a true holy reverence, which I think is missing um, from a lot of 
places, you know, and um, even when I hear people saying, oh, my OMG, I, it really gets to me because the reverence that, that we we hold for God doesn't seem to be there. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I just picked up on what you said, Brother Reese. you know, if we don't get that right, um, then, you know, everything else, you know, it, it, it unfolds. And, and the foundation won't be won't be um, solid. So yeah, I just thought I'd um, mention that. Thank you. Uh, so it's open for you, Alfred. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I hear that, Sister Evelyn. Um, you know, I think um, I think one of the um, and the. This isn't the point I was going to be making, but since the one I'm going to make is very, very short. But um, since Hevelyn mentioned um, that, um, I think um, <clears throat> the the Jewish, um, the, the, the early Israelites, they made fundamental error with God. And... Um, and that's why that that that's why they lost out in the wilderness. They made a fundamental error with God. Because what we need to remember, <clears throat> the Jews, we, we 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 tend to think of them as a um, as a monotheistic um, people. Were they? You know, um, you know, um, <clears throat> they were God. They weren't. But God would take them on a journey to make them see him as the only God. And this monotheism, uh, our polytheism, but apparently you addressed that very well uh, on Sunday, because that was, the, that was the, the Egyptians' problem. And that was the Canaanites' problem. <clears throat> and that was where Abraham was coming from as well. That was, that was their problem. You know, and 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 when you know, and they, they were, they they did. Um, it was like they did the, the Jews to some extent. They they believed, with the exception of the ones like, like the prophets and the David, uh, uh, and the um, and the Isaiah and, and and those those prophets of God and those really holy men and women. You know, they held to the one God, but didn't they? The nation was easily swayed. You know, if they lost a battle, you know, they would be um, probably thinking that the other God beat them up, you know, and things like that. But, you know, so the, the point I'm making here is that um, the Israelites, they, uh, they made some fundamental error with God. They thought that them and God were pals. They thought that, you know, um, they didn't, they, they lacked that reverence for God, like the, like the kind of reverence that people like Moses and Daniel and those people and Job, they held on to, you know, and, and um, God warned them in the Psalm, in the Psalm, I think it's probably Psalm 49, he says, um, I think it's Psalm 49, I'm not too sure, he says, thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as you, but he rebuked them and he said, but I will come and I will rip you to pieces. Because they, 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 that's God is saying, you think that I am like you. 
And that's when, when people start to get into this cozy, nonsensical mouth talk, because it's not a relationship talk. It's just a mouth firing up, daddy, papa, you know, or, you know, all those kind of a nonsensical um, 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 thing. You know, um, it's not a real relationship. You know, a real relationship with God is one of reverence, is one of acknowledgement of the awesomeness of God, even if, you, even if he's your father. You're still, you know, we need to understand being a father don't mean that say it does, you know, we, we make a we make major mistake when we start to compare earthly father relationship with, with God the Father's relationship with us. It's not the same, you know. You know, God is sovereign. He is he, he is even the angels who know him better than us, they walk with fear, they cover, they cover themselves from him. And it's not. It's not, it's not a terrorizing fear. It's, it's acknowledgement of who he is and in whose presence they're in. They cover themselves. They, they, you know, it, you know, but we, um, we are very presumptuous. And I think that is part of it. We, are pres we have a presumptuous nature. I think on Sunday I was suggesting to, 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 to you guys that, um, that, you know, we, our presumptuousness, I will say, I am God's friend. God is my friend. Well, I'm not quite sure that I've I've heard that yet. I'm not quite sure that um, that 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 that, that honor has been bestowed upon me. I know it's bestowed upon some people. I know it was bestowed upon Moses, Abraham. I know Jesus bestowed it upon the apostles. He says, "I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends." You know, he had proven them. You know, and God, and you know, you know, a, a friend knows something about friend. A friend respect friend. A friend acknowledges um, who, who the friend is. And, and how can I call myself a friend of God and, and I treat him so disrespectfully, you know, and, and sometimes I cuss bad words and sometimes I lie, sometimes I steal, sometimes I, I backbite, sometimes I'm, I'm desperately jealous of other people. Sometimes, you know, I'm envious I'm, I'm, and, and, I'm, and I have the audacity to call myself a friend of God. A friend of God, i tell you what a friend of God is. A friend of God is somebody who pursues after God, hardly pursues after God, chased after God. Like, um, like you know who was a friend of God? A friend, we can say friend of God, friend of Christ, one and the same thing. Uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they were friends of God. They loved him. Mary loved Jesus. You know, you know, the disciples loved him as well. They transcended to from being just disciples and followers to friends. And you see their journey morphing in until it becomes you say, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friend. There's a journey that they, they came into that arena. So yes, it's traveling, you are dead right. But brother, brother Reese, the, 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 the thing that I was gonna make mention of is um you know, I mean, you say something, and I and I and I and I and I understand, and I and I kind of, uh, you know, and it's not a contradiction. Anything, and neither is it something to be contradicted. It's just a, it's just um, um, a, a perception, an ana analysis here. You know, because we say, um, are we on the same page? Well, um, I think Reese, if you and I are walking together, and we are going on a journey together. We need to be on the same page. 
Yeah, we do need if we're if we're going into the den of iniquity and we're we're I need your back and you you I'm watching your back and you watching my back. We need to be on the same page, you know. But I don't think um, and and it would be great if um, if everybody was on the same page. But you have even ministers, even bishops, um, um, and then they ain't on the same page, you know. Uh, you have pastors, they're not on the same page. Evangelists, they're not on the same page. You know, so, so the members are not on the same page, you know, you know, so, um, so, so I think how we are to look at it, Reese and, 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 and Paramvi and Sister Evelyn and anybody else who, who, who would engage is, for goodness sake, let us find a mind of God be on that page. And if I'm on God's page, you know, um, I think Reese and you're on God's page by default. We're on the same page, you know, and I think that's what we need. We need. We need. We need to do. You know, if you find somebody who who is on the same page as you, Reese, walk with them. But that's not to say that you 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 you, you alienate the others. But you know, you know whose company. You know where the iron will be sharp in high and lies. You know, it's not to say that you despise anybody else or you belittle them or whatever. But they're not going to be the ones that's going to make you sharpen your high and make you grow and grow and grow in, in mm. the garden. So, so you know, the scriptures, I can't too walk lest they agree and kind of thing like that. And the final point is, um, you know, we go back to, the, to that thing that sometimes we, uh, us Pentecostal and um, lo lovey, lovey um, Christians, um, we... Um, we think that it's almost like we think everybody's going to heaven. But, you know, that's not a reality. And as a matter of fact, you know, the way that Jesus paints it to us, I want to say painted, you know, I don't even like to use my own kind of a phrase, but the way that Jesus m m talks it to us, he says, he tells us the problem that we do face. And it's not that the grace of God is not sufficient to, to save the most wretched person from, from hell right into heaven. He's able to take the, the most wretched person. So, it, so, so the, um, the shortage is never with God. You know, it is us. You know, and Jesus would say, men, you know, he, he said, this is, the, this is the problem. This is the condemnation that, that light has come. But men prefer darkness to light. You know, and, and, and here's, here's how Jesus puts it, um, brothers and sisters. Um, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And, and a few people find it. <laughs> broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many find it. Now, now there's a contrast here. Yeah, and the contrast is is is, um, is 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 worthy to take note of because Jesus gives the emphasis. Jesus gives emphasis where emphasis is due. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few find it, and we need to bear that in mind. Even though we do, you know, you know, um, you know. Jesus is actually suggesting that. Fewer people are gonna find find the road. Are, and when you say find it, we mean walk it. 
That's what we mean. Not not just find it. well, find it and walk it being the same one and the same thing. You know, few people are gonna want to walk it because, as we were saying before, there's a cost to walking that thin, narrow road that leads to life. But the one that is that leads to hell, it's so broad. You don't have to do much of a transition, and that's the that's the message we've been hearing from those strange people in that tent, in that video. You know, you know, they're having a salvation where there isn't much of a transformation or a transition. It's just almost like I, I wasn't too bad yesterday, but I'm a little bit better today today from what I was. You know, I wasn't too bad a sinner. You know, and and so I didn't have to make a big transition really. All I have to do is say these nice words. You know, and and Jesus will will accept me and I'm safe. You know, but what I have always tried to say is that say. You know, the transition that we're making to God from wherever we were, it's like a, a gulf. That's so that's we're moving from a gulf. That's where Jesus is taking us from a gulf, from a deep, dark place, not a narrow, shallow place. He's taking us from 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 the bottomless pit to heaven. You know, and I think we need to acknowledge and don't think that we are so nice now nice. because all those people in that video that, that's been converted, that's allegedly been converted. They're just they just seem like, oh, they're just nice people, nice, nice people, you know, and, and it's, you know, um, salvation is radical. It rips out your heart. Hmm. It rips out your soul. It rips out your mind because all that is all tarnished and, and decayed and decomposing and need total reconstruct, not even reconstruct, a replacement, organ transplant and all that, you know, blood transfusion, everything needs to be done, mindset change, you know, God have to go in there with them atomic bomb and blast out what is in there and re, 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 restore it to, to something properly, you know, and I don't think all those videos, the people that miss what, they miss, you know, if you don't know how bad your situation was, and which they, obviously they don't, and those crazy preachers don't know how bad the human condition is, how bad our transgression is. Otherwise they would, mind you, I don't think they're really concerned about people. I think as we say before, they have their own agenda, whether it's to do with fame and popularity or wealth or money, whatever, but it definitely is not to do with bringing people um, close to God. Mm. No, no, I agree. And it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to take it to. Yeah, it's just oh, like you, you pull on the thread and then you just end up everywhere. You just end up everywhere and I don't even know where... I don't even know where you start because... Um, we have to go back to the word. Yeah. It's personal, it's individual. But Jesus, you know, if you notice when Jesus does his teaching, it's always personal, isn't it? But we don't like to see things personally. We like collective. Why isn't my church doing this? Why isn't my pastor saying this? You know, the Bible doesn't give us that view, really, if you look carefully. Because Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And, and that scripture can be used to say, well, it, it wasn't really knocking on, a, on the heart of the whole church. Or it's individuals, isn't it? Hmm. I, I am firmly convinced in the last year or so, the only reason why people lose out on salvation is because they love sin. 
I'm, I'm really coming to that conclusion now. I felt, you know, we are struggling and trying our best and trying to help people. And, but if it's not working, something is clicking at the back of my mind, but maybe they love sin. Jesus said, Jesus said all those who hate me love death. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe all of the things that are happening around us is any problem at all with all COVID and all stopping churches and all this and that persecution going on. Because really, I don't think any of these things have any power to stop a person who really wants to find God to find him. I think they have a different purpose. I don't think anybody, if God is in he- can is reach people, he can certainly reach them up to hell or down to hell and up mm-hmm. to heaven. Yeah. So there's nothing that can stop people from finding God. The problem is people are in the valley of decision. Do they really want to be saved? And this is what we're grappling with. We're not here to be grab, uh, to be worried about people. Whether you know, we're here just to preach. That's what we have to think about: is don't worry about well, these preachers here, this guy's here, this the church here, my pastor, this my yeah. Let's just do what God wants. The big picture is in His hands. I think we should just say, Lord, what can I do? Help me to speak sound words. Help me to stand up. Help me to preach the gospel. You called me. I'm going to do. Make sure that I do what you've called me. Mm. I can't worry about what's going on in Christianity. That's God's job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's um, it's something that uh, there's another video that everyone shared that I want to share. But then I I was listening to another witness encounter that um that was quite interesting. Um, uh, the the guy who was doing the um he's, he's a friend of the guy who we're going to show um he approached this one guy who was a christian i think he was he's working within the methodist circle but he was originally um brought up baptist but he asked him all these sorts of questions and like the, the core tenets of the christian faith and he answers it all correctly um quite clear and he was quite proud of him that you know what stay in the way you know you're doing really well um you know, you, you're holding on to the right things. That's great. And then he's gone to another Christian. So also what, you know, so what if you, like, you know, I want to go to heaven, what do I need to do? Is oh, you know, you just need to be, you just need to be positive, you know, um, not just try and do good things. He's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So, and then he walks him through like the Mosaic law and all sorts of things. And just like, oh, you know, these are the things that um, kind of like left him at an ultimatum. So I was like, ultimately, would God send you to hell or to heaven? So, oh, well, you know, I guess by the word it'd be hell, but by, by my, how I feel, I feel like it would send me to heaven because, you know, he understands that I, you know, why I mess up and I do this and do this, but, you know, um, he's forgiven and all this sorts of stuff. And it's just like, um, the, I get like, and but one of the things that was mentioned was that the, the gospel leads, because the first guy, um, he regards himself as non-denominational, even though he was growing up Baptist. And the, the quote that was mentioned after that, um, by the presenter was that the gospel's non-denominational. I was like, uh, and I thought about it as well, it is, because I guess the dead, and he, and he said, he was like, we're all kind of guilty of, um, if we're going to go and share the gospel, we kind of want them to be a part of our denomination. So you kind of like, um, uh, throw out the, the sort of like perks of, oh, you know, this is what we believe in. So if you do this, these are the things that can happen for you. But, um, is a case where, like we've said, like if you if the core things are are correct and the, the core foundations are laid out, um, 
that's the the main yeah just he's, he's essentially just keeping jesus the main thing um because it really is just um jesus plus nothing so i guess that the way that i'm seeing in my head is um like yeah the what from what you mentioned it kind of is that reminder of getting the the ultimate core thing correct just preaching the gospel um make sure it's clear and concise they've got everything that um god wants them to know and then the holy spirit does it all from there um then like in the back of my mind i can't help but think um eventually to so say like if we were to i don't know say like if we were to just like what um would because i guess everybody says that you know um you know jesus is the son of god you know he died on the cross he was resurrected all those sorts of things that were genuinely kind of accepted um regardless of what sort of like denomination you kind of throw yourself into but then if you were to peel back the layers or observe the the character uh, not the character yeah there's all like the character all the behavior and the things that go on in the midst of that congregation you'd you'd find that even though they say it with their lips that oh you know these are the things we stand by we're orthodox if you tried to say that we're anything but we'll um we've got the whole nine nine yard nine yards with you but then yeah when you observe the um the behaviors it's almost as if um they say it with their lips but the way they behave is that they have a higher regard what james, or something uh, like the... what james rebukes uh... mm that can, you know, people who claim that they have faith, can that kind of faith save them? Mm. No. This is the kind of faith is challenging, where people say they're Christians. They say that they're believers. And, uh, but they don't look after their brethren. Mm. They don't practice true religion. It's all mental. This is a Greek idea. Just to bring in a bit of Greek and Hebrew, yeah? This mental assertions, mental acceptance of faith, yeah, that's totally foreign to Judaism. That's totally foreign to the biblical understanding of what faith is. You know, uh, studying, having the privilege to study Hebrew lately, I've learned something really interesting from that language. It just turns everything upside down to bring things into perspective. For example, you know, if you are a priest, you are priesting. There's no such word as, it's not a noun, it's a verb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are priesting, yeah? So, you know, the word for faith, it's the same, very similar. You're not believing, you're doing, you're living. But it's the Greeks who brought this foolish idea that somehow faith is something you just separate from the rest of your life. But that's not biblical. Mm. Yeah, and so I, I would question people who claim to be Christians, people who claim that they believe in the fundamentals, but they don't say raise their voice when there's abortion uh, yeah, issues yeah, are being yeah. raised. They don't raise their voice when uh, the government threatens that we want to ban churches. Where are they? You know, you, you, you're not really for Christ until you're against what Christ is against. Hmm. This is the real test. You are not a child of God until you resist sin and the enemy, yeah? Until you hate the things God starts to hate, you don't belong to him. I don't care how much you think you're a Christian. If you are born of God, you will naturally hate. You know, like a baby cub. They've got that nature in them to kill. Yeah? Because mm. it's there, isn't it? It's because they're a lion. 
we should have the nature that we should hate sin. I, and I'm struggling to see how people who claim I'm a Christian, but they don't hate sin. That's what you're describing, what you've been describing in, in your experience, you know, mm. with these people. And the same with uh, Paul Washer and Roddy Bochum, you know, all of these people are, are beginning to question. It's at every level, bishops, archbishops, local level ministers, people are saying things amongst us you shouldn't be saying and, and bringing the gospel into disrepute. So what can you do? You know, God is fully aware what's going on. Mm. You know, there's a sad state in the Old Testament where, you know, when Satan managed to infiltrate the Jews, one way was to bring in fornication through uh, Balaam. You know, when the people ate and drank and rose up to play, they became so much part of the world, they started to do what they were doing. You know what the remedy was? that the rest of them uh, had to, anybody who was on the Lord's side, they had to grab a sword and kill everybody else. Now, I'm not saying we do anything like that. I'm just trying to show how serious sin is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can't say to everybody, oh, you're a Christian, you're my brother. Where's the proof? You're my brother if you stand with me in the gospel. You're a brother if you suffer for the gospel. I don't know if you're my brother, if you claim to be a Christian. Mm. Everybody's going around claiming Christian Christianity. But guess what? What are they doing in the spare time in the meantime? They're not standing up for Christ. Mm. So, you know, just suffer with the, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those, you know, who are suffering for the name of Christ. That's the true, that's going to be the only test, I think, yeah. especially these last days. Mm. No, no, yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, do, I just totally agree. Yeah, he's kind of, you, I think once you cross that threshold, it's going to sound bad, but you begin to understand who the real ones are. And it's just like, yeah, I know that the, the people who you thought you could stand with before aren't going to be the ones that will walk through the fire with you. And it kind of, and it's not a, like a sort of like putting yourself on a pedestal sort of thing, but it kind of like saddens you. It's just like, you know what, I, you know, I'm willing to go through this with you. And it's just like, yeah, but I'm, you know, I, I regard this far more um, precious or, um, or as important. So, but you know, this is everything we're supposed to be about. You know, this is the thing that we were told is promised. Um, you know, it's expected. You know, the have the Holy Spirit within us. We have all the tools given to us to fulfil this. But you want to back out, so it's just like you do begin to wonder. It's just like where where are the fruits? And it's not a case where it's just like oh, you know, I'm putting myself on a pedestal because I'm doing so great. It's just like a a thing of. The robbers hitting the road now, but then there's people, or like, say, like, a, um, I guess a good illustration would be, I, ha uh, I haven't fully watched Dunkirk, but I don't, I do remember seeing clips of it, where you have that, um, that boat that kind of looks like a, a tank when it comes up on the shore. So you got all the people sitting in the, um, sitting in there waiting as they're coming up to the, the, the beach and all, everything's going off. You got those who are ready to go right up the beach at whatever cost. And then you've got those who um, 
completely misunderstood <laughs> why they're on the boat to begin with. They thought it was a they thought it was a cruise ship and they were going to go to the Bahamas or something like that. And they realised that oh, you give me a gun for what? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. So it's kind of it's a bit disheartening, but I guess it, again, it's it's um, it's one of those things where. And he, I don't want to say it's it's kind of like out of context, but do you know that um, I can't remember who the prophet is, um, but the words just resonated with me, um, where they thought they were the only prophet left. Elijah. Oh, I get yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the God responds as like, um, "Don't worry, I've um, I've reserved for myself um, seven thousand who haven't bowed the knee to Baal," and. Just something about hearing that and it wasn't it was just kind of like an off comment thing give me a lot of peace so as much as you can feel alone in walking this narrow road there are people who god has chosen to walk the, that very same road with you and by his will and by his grace you will cross paths with them and they will they will bear you up as you go along mm. i guess it's just it's understanding that this road can be very lonely but then it's like what you said it's it's that thing of you've got this um this crowd mentality of if i'm going i need to take everybody with me and um it's almost like that's a validation to say that this is fine so i guess like again we've talked about how um the spiritual health of a church is usually measured by how many bums they have on seats um kind of that sort of thing but then you realize it's interesting reese i noticed that um the old testament prophecies give indication of what should is going to happen in the final time yeah you notice about the three hebrew boys they didn't want to bow down yeah Mm. to the image we are heading for that kind of scenario because the world is becoming like a one kind of place could it be that you know i mean what we are being made to do by slow coercion by political changes and laws and things that are coming in it's exactly that same image. They want us to bow down to that. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, what I found fascinating was I never thought about this. How come it was only the four or the three that didn't bow? What about the rest of the Jews? Mm. They must have bowed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all bowed down. If you watch the film, you'll see them all bow down. It's only those three that stood up and changed the course of history, you know. So, mm. so I think that's always Satan's plan. I think part of it is to bring the Christian church into subjection. And that's what I think politics is doing at the moment. And brothers and sisters, how shocked I am, how willingly our leaders have surrendered and bowed the knee. Shameful. We say we belong to Christ. We say we stand for his name. But how quickly they bowed down and how silent they kept when they should have been standing bold and strong. That, that uh, troubles me more. Hmm. But somebody has to stand up, you know. We have to stand up for Christ. No, no, yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree because it's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do. Um, yeah, what I'll do is brothers, I'll... Uh, oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I'm going to have to go now, brothers and sisters. I've got some studying to do for tomorrow. So oh, <laughs> no, no, that's that's fine. That's fine. I was just going to... I was going to play the uh, one of the... Uh, the final videos that were sent to to go through so yeah if you have to jump off that's more than fine that's more than fine um i do appreciate everything you've you've shared um 
So I think I'll probably play this and then we'll probably wind up afterwards. So if you want to leave in the midst of that, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Uh, how do I share the screen again? Uh, with a good friend here, if I just share screen and do this one and then that and this and there we go. Oh, this is Clarence. He said he was a Christian, born again. Um, he said all the right things. And 15 minutes before this interview, I felt inordinately tired. I mean, suspiciously tired. I just wanted to snooze off. And I thought, this is just uh, so obvious. I've got a divine encounter somewhere. So I stirred myself up, went out, found Clarence, and did this interview, which I'll never forget. And uh, as he walked away, he said, right on time, Ray. Awesome. I hope you enjoy this. You say you like information? Yes, I do. Tell me, why is that? Uh, because you can never have too much information. That's true. It's, uh, there's a Bible verse that says, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge, or this lack of information. Have you heard that verse? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, What's the world's biggest selling book of all time? The Bible. It's the most loved book in the world. It's also the most hated. Why do you think the Bible's hated? Because it tells, it, it opens up the truth about each individual. It, um, it, um, it separates also, religion it separates because um, most people um, want to have their own will and free will to do the things that they want to do and not God. And so um, it separates. Have you heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? No, I haven't. Yeah, two psychologists back in 1999 did a study and found that incompetent people always thought they were competent. That means they thought they could jump higher, run faster, and sing better than what they actually could. All of us are uh, subject to that. I remember I was back when I was about 13 years old. I thought I could sing pretty good, and I, I sung into a tape recorder, and <laughs> I sung into a tape recorder, and I played it back, and I was horrified at how bad it was. And so for the last 50-something years, if I sing in public, it's always very, very quiet because I can't sing. Tears come to people's eyes when I start singing. They request that I sing on a hill far away. So now, here's, here's, let's see if the Kruger effect goes over to the uh, moral aspect. Clarence, do you think you're a good person? Uh, a great person. I mean, morally, are you a good morally person? Great, a great person. So you're going to be, you're going to do good on Judgment Day. Yes, I am. So there's nothing you're doing or nothing you've done that could offend God or anger Him. No, there's nothing to anger God, but not uh, following Him and only Him. Have you been born again? Yes, I have. And what does that mean? That means to renew your mind and renew, renew. It means to put away the old things and to re renew your mind, mind, body, and soul. So out of one to ten, where would you say you are in your Christian walk? One is really, really bad, ten is really good. Seven. Now does that concern you at all? Yeah, it always does. Yeah, because if I was going to jump out of a plane and you said, parachute on tight, one to ten, and I said seven, you'd say, hey, don't jump on a seven, you want to jump on a ten. So we're talking about your eternity, so we want to make your calling election sure. So I'm going to see if I can dismantle the fact that you think you're a good person. Do you think I can change your mind? No. Okay. I'm going to use two weapons to shoot it down. 
Number one, I think will work anyway. In Mark 10 verse 17, Jesus said, there's none good but God. Who's lying? You or God? Me. Yeah, there's none good. The Bible makes that very clear. And that's because of the fact that good in God's book means moral excellence. Even means in, in the dictionary there's over 40 different definitions of good. Yeah, in the dictionary there's over 40 different definitions of the word good. And number one is moral excellence. And none of us are, are good in God's book. So when you got up this morning, did you look in the mirror? Yes, I did. Why did you do that? Because uh, I wouldn't see my face. Yeah, you want to see, you want to clean up before you go public. You know, puffy eyes, messy hair, whatever. And the mirror reveals what you are in truth. It doesn't lie to you. And then it sends you to the water to wash. So I'm going to turn the mirror on you so you can see yourself in truth. This will put your Christian walk on steroids. So let's, let's do that. This is the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments. How many lies do you think you've told in your life? Uh, uh, well, I'm not a big liar, but short, short fibs, I guess. I don't know. I can't really name, you know, little ones here and there. Just little lies. Yeah. What do you call someone who tells lies? Uh, an untruthful person. Oh, a liar. A liar. So what are you? I am a truthful person. Yeah, but if you tell lies, what are you called? <laughs> it rhymes with fire and begins with L. You know, Clarence, it's really hard to judge ourselves. Liar. Yeah, that's it. Now, if I told lies, you'd have no trouble saying you're a liar. Now, have you ever stolen something in your whole life, even if it's small? Uh, yeah. What do you call someone who steals things? A, a thief. So what are you? A thief. No, a lying thief. A lying thief. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> do you still think you're a good person? Yes, I am. Now you think a lying thief is a good person? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Have you ever used Bring God... Bring down, Ray. Uh, Ray, a lying thief, it, it, it puts you down on number five out of ten. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes, I have. It's using God's name as a cuss word when the Bible says his name is holy. Would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? No. Because you'd, dis you'd dishonor her, you'd insult her, you'd even anger her. Totally. You know, and we anger God when we use his name as a cuss word to express disgust. Totally. It's called blasphemy and punishable by death in the Old Testament. Now Jesus said if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes. Have you had sex before marriage? Yes. So, Clarence, here's a quick summation. I'm not judging you, but Break you've, it down. Yeah, I'm breaking it down. You've just told me you're a lying, thieving, fornicating, blasphemous, adulterer at heart, and you have to face God on Judgment Day. So, if He judges you by the Ten Commandments on Judgment Day, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Heaven or hell? I don't want to say that way. <laughs> Well, I will because I love you. I care about you. And if I see I'm you in... i Yeah. Say that again. I'm going to hell. Now, does that concern you? It very much so. Now, if you were on a thousand-foot cliff with your toes over the edge, we're talking a thousand-foot cliff, would that be scary for you? Yes, surely it would. Would the feeling of fear be a horrible feeling? Surely it would. Is the feeling of fear a good thing or a bad thing? Very bad. No, it's actually very good. You know why? Because it's saying step back from the thousand foot cliff. Don't, don't die. Step back, step back. So that fear is not your enemy, it's your friend. It's making you step back from that cliff. And what I've tried to do is put you on the edge of eternity and let the fear of God fill your heart. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The scriptures say it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Jesus said, fear not him who has power to kill your body and afterwards do no more. But fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell. 
That's a strange thing for him to say. I don't know if you heard what he just said, but let me say again. He said, fear not him who has power to kill your body. Imagine lying in bed at night, hear the door creak open in the darkness, and you see a guy coming at you with a mask on, with a glittering knife. He pulls the knife back to stab it in your chest. Man, you your heart would be in your mouth. You'd be so horrified. But Jesus said, don't be afraid of him compared to the fear you should have for God. And so the Bible says, through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And so that fear that I'm trying to put in your heart by God's grace is your friend, not your enemy, because it'll make you let go of those beloved sins. We love to fornicate. We love to look at pornography. We even love to lie and steal because, well, it gives us a bit of a buzz. When I was a kid, I used to steal uh, apples from the from the neighbors. It was more exciting than getting them off the kitchen table. He used to take lemons. <laughs> because we've got a sinful heart that loves darkness more than light. So Clarence, tell me, what did God do for guilty sinners so he wouldn't have to go to hell? He gave his only begotten son that we should have eternal life. Yeah. And the Bible says the Ten Commandments are called the moral John law. 315. John 316. 316. Yeah. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. You know, we tend to trivialize sin and say, well, it's just white lies and fibs. But the Bible says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. We say we just take little things like candy from a store. But the Bible says thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the way to see how serious God is about sin is to look at the punishment he's given. Death. The wages of sin is death. Death is evidence that God is deadly serious about sin. So the fear of God should fill our hearts. Death should make us think, man, I don't want to fall into the hands of the living God. That's a terrifying thing. So Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our sins, took our punishment. If you're in court, Clarence, and someone pays you fine, the judge can legally let you go. He can say, Clarence, stack of speeding fines here. This is very serious, but someone's paid him. You're free to go. And he can do that, which is just and right and legal. Well, God can legally dismiss our case forgive our sins, commute our death sentence, actually take the death sentence off us because Jesus paid the fine on our behalf, rose again on the third day and defeated death. And now what you have to do, and this is probably what was missing before, is repent of your sins. Now let me explain why I think there's probably a problem. Is if I said to you, Clarence, I've got some great news for you. Someone just paid a speeding fine on your behalf. If you didn't believe you broke the law, that good news of me paying the fine for you, or having the fine paid for you, wouldn't be good news, it'd be insulting. I'd say, what are you talking about? I don't have a speeding fine. But if you realize you've broken the law, that you went like 60 miles an hour through an area set aside for a blind children's convention, 10 miles an hour, you did a terrible thing, and then I say, oh, someone's paid, the, paid that fine for you, then that good news becomes good news indeed. So the good news depends on how serious you see your transgression is. And if you see sin as being deadly serious, lying, stealing, using God's name as a cuss word, lusting after women, committing adultery in your heart, then the good news of the cross will make sense to you. You'll find a place of genuine sorrow. And then the Bible says, godly sorrow works repentance. You'll be able to truly repent, let go of those sins because of the godly sorrow. That's the first thing. The second thing you must do to be saved is trust in Jesus like you trust a parachute. You don't just believe in a parachute, you put your faith into it. And when you have your faith in a parachute, you lose your fear. If you're going to jump without a parachute 10,000 feet, you'd be terrified. Someone gives you a parachute and you trust the parachute, you say, ah, oh, I'm safe. I'm going to land at five miles an hour on my feet instead of 120, 120 miles an hour on my face. And so when I face death and it can come at any time, I've got no fear according to the faith I have in Christ. I've put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So 
I can look at death in the face. I can look at Judgment Day and have boldness because I'm trusting in the Savior. I'm trusting in His righteousness. Does this make sense? Yes, it does. So, Clarence, if you were to die today and God gave you justice, despite your intellectual belief and, and knowing so much truth, you'd end up in hell. There are two things you must do to be saved. You must repent and trust alone in Jesus. When are you going to do that? I've already done it. Yeah, but remember this, the fruit wasn't there, so I think you should do it again. The Bible says... Dear God, I ask you right now to come in my heart and renew my mind. I ask that you to work on, work on my dailies, my thoughts, my endeavors, and everything that's in front of me that let your will be done and not mine's. And all these things I ask in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. I pray for Clarence that today... He'll see sin in a, a, a different light and find a place of godly sorrow and bring forth fruit worthy of repentance and know that he's passed from death to life and that his walk will be one of holiness and glorifying you and you'd raise him up as a burning and a shining light to reach this generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 To uh, I think he's after that. It's like promotional stuff after that. Um, that's kind of what I, well, yeah, I think that kind of encompasses everything we've already kind of discussed. That the fact that uh, our testimony is helpful and experience is helpful, but it's not divinely inspired. Um, it is non denominational, it is very clear, concise that we have to understand who God is, how we stand before him, the standard at which um, is, um, is held in that, how that all comes together in that sort of, a, in that sort of realm. Um, it sounds, it sound, and the thing is when you, when you watch it and hear it often enough, um, it, became, it becomes like, oh, well, if it's easy enough for them, I could do it too, um, but um, it, I have to admit it was through hearing encounters like this that I heard the gospel um, in the correct way, and it was when it was through that um, that medium that I genuinely felt that the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin, and that kind of brought me to how where I came today, and it's literally just by the will of God that the fact that these people are doing these things. I was just listening in because of, you know, trying to fill in time while doing stuff, um, like driving at work. And it's within those sorts of realms that um, that God was working on me um, externally and I'm seeing the fruits now. And I guess it was it's all at an appointed time, but um, Kind of yeah, I wish it had happened earlier, but I guess it's all it's all happened for a reason in the grand scheme of things. I'll never truly understand why on this side of life, possibly. But um you know, I just want other people to, to experience the same thing. Um you certainly have those conversations and debate stuff with like those in my workplace and what your friends and family and things like that. Um I feel like I'm, yeah, I wouldn't say like I'm confident with it, but I would say I'm comfortable um, going into those sorts of things. 
um, and examining myself and checking to see what is true and that sort of thing because all that's kind of happened off the back of it all but it's um, yeah it's kind of the fact that all this happened to me and then it's just like, oh you know maybe this is and I guess it has been happening for other people like I think Jodine's another one who's had a very similar experience so she's um, she's blooming and she's asking all sorts of questions and she's studying and all the sorts of stuff and it's very beautiful to see but then it's like um, you then walk into these barriers where you think that oh well you know I'm experiencing what I think everyone else should is experiencing or should be experiencing this as oh not all on the same page and then it's just like okay so um, like yeah he kind of kind of took me down to like deconstructing everything down to the very core and then rebuilding things like okay you know god's up there and i understand how how i should revere him i understand what um jesus christ has, has done for me and how he's moving amongst um scriptures and how that can be applied to me the holy spirit was probably the biggest um biggest thing for for me to change is that oh the holy spirit's not an it isn't he but then he's also part of the godhead but then he's almost portrayed as um uh as a puppet or someone who you can um almost like woo on um to to do something um and it's almost like very similar to the prophets of baal thing i would say where it's just like oh you know we need the Holy Spirit to do this. So in order for the Holy Spirit to do these things, we must do X, Y, Z. And when we do these things, we should see this manifest. It's just like, well, again, I'm not, I don't like to use experience for stuff. It's just like, well, I, that, I didn't see that with me. And consistently, I haven't had to need any miraculous signs and wonders to, to, to have to see that you know I'm, I'm walking in the cross because it's the little things that Jesus has mentioned that seem to be the biggest indicators that there's a change to start walking through the um, book of uh, the first John that um, is like a sobering thing I like to go through every now and again it's just like you know you know if you are practicing sin that um, that you are like a, you're, not, you're not in the realm of Christ but then um, you know, if you're in the truth, you're abiding in the light and all sorts of things that we've already talked about. It's a, it's an interesting thing, but it's one of those, it's, 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 it's a fundamental, um, it's a fundamental question to ask because I guess if you were to ask people if they know what the gospel is, they'd say, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. And if you left it there, you would be safe to assume that everyone's on the same page. But then once you start um, critically analysing stuff and you realise you're not on the same page or even worse they are happy to throw the gospel of jesus aside for a non a non-essential or something that they feel um is more beneficial to them then reality kind of hits so it's like um i saw a quote today that said that um something i can't remember how it was phrased but it's essentially like they i think i mentioned before like how the church shouldn't be the mission field necessarily if we're amongst believers but it feels almost as if it very much is but i guess like the you've got like the paul's epistles and stuff like that where they 
correcting stuff. So hopefully by the grace of God, those sort of things are worked out. But um, I just encourage everyone who, I certainly I believe that everyone here has a, a certain, like a very clear cut understanding. Um, but then those that we come amongst, um, rub shoulders with, whether it be in family, friend circles, in church, that we we do make sure that this um, is the fundamental and that we this is one of the main things that we're radical for. So everything else can be debated um, and we should kind of not hold a firm grip to, but like it's the gospel thing that should be the I'm not budging on this and you can take everything from me including my life I'm not budging on this sort of fundamental thing because um, if it's anything other than that there's going to be serious problems um, so I guess that's yeah, it's just anyone who is listening more so I would say that there are conversations going on um, I guess it's conversations that would have to happen in like all churches uh, but yeah, I don't know if anybody else has anything they want to add. Um, and I do thank you, um, Evelyn, for sending those those videos because have been very helpful in affirming um, affirming things. But then I guess it's yeah, it seems to be um, quite regularly, especially over the course of this over this course of this podcast, it kind of like. Um, points you into directions, just things that's just like, okay, we might need to talk about such and such, mm -hmm. get this cleared up, find out where the weeds are, get those pulled out, um, move on to this next bit, get these pulled out, confront such and such, such and such. And I think, um, I would say somewhere in the near future, um, when um, it might even be like the next one, depending on what happens, uh, that, um, So I sent it, well, I discovered it a few weeks, well, a few weeks, would it be a few weeks ago now? Um, I can't remember. The, the, about this strange fire conference thing that John MacArthur did. Uh, yeah. um, I guess, yeah, I've mentioned it to, to Evelyn as well. Um, mm. I guess when listening, like, it's, yeah, I grew up not hearing about it at all. I think it happened in, well, they did it in 2028, 2016 before, 2014, 2013, might even be earlier than that. Um, yeah, there's this conference going on where uh, John MacArthur's got like his his friends like Todd Field, Tom, uh, Steve Lawson, R.C. Sproul, all these other people in the Reform Fund, where they're essentially um, dissecting the charismatic sex Pentecostal movement. And um, I guess I've been I've been studying the church history for a while just to kind of get a grip on where everything comes from and, and where the dynamics sort of understand. So there's oh, okay, so I see this comes from here and this comes from here and how this has come in like the context of um, church history and things like that. Um, but as I was, like, yeah, I'll be honest, as I've been doing more research, um, I was quite shocked at how I thought the movement was being perceived. Because I just thought, um, oh, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, like you're a Presbyterian, so you kind of like accepted and all that. It just seems to be the common denominator. <clears throat> um, 
tends to be that the Charismatic and Pentecostal movement is viewed in a very bad light. Um, and that was a that was a hard thing for me to stomach. And this is even before I'd even discovered that there was this just strange fire thingy. So it's just like, you know, let me just put, let me just, you know, throw the line in different countries to see if it's just like certain people that um, I consider it to be, uh, maybe they just, you know, they just don't like the fact that how things are going and maybe they need to just go accustomed to it. And it's the, like, obviously put it in the US, they've got their things about it. Um, well, like charismania and all that sort of stuff. I thought now you kind of need to um, to be like facetious with like things like that. So, so okay, I'll take the information you've given because you feel like you're being affected by directly affected by certain churches in the area. I thought okay, I'll throw a line into different countries to see how, and it, and it just seems to be this this building up of a um, building up of this perception that it's a very not wholly negative sort of thing, but they's they kind of held with with caution, and then they all came to hell with the strange fire conference. So it just it just felt weird because listening to the things that are being said, which is like, okay, you've said these things, and I can tell that you it's very emotionally motivated that you use these certain words, but then also hearing the stories that I think you're referencing, it kind of makes sense, but then. Um, these things are uh, very, these are things that I've kind of grown up with. So you kind of just accept it as being the normal things. So it's just like, um, can you see like, you know, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Cause it's like, you know, God is clearly doing something here, but then it, you're, you're having to constantly wrestle with, um, well, yeah, yeah, well, you kind of have to cut the line between emotion and truth. Um, but then it's just your heart sinks because, again, it's, it's going back to the fact that we constantly are berating these um, these false teachers and stuff. But if, like, because um, in that one video before the last one, um, they had the pastor of, uh, the main pastor of Hillsong in there. And he said, that, oh, you know, um, we don't need to tell people this in as they already know that. Um, I put a post on Instagram because apparently this past week or so, or at least the past two weeks, he stepped down from the Hillsong Church because apparently he had been concealing um, sex abuse things from his dad, who was the, um, the pastor to begin with. It's just like, okay, you know, we berate Hillsong, but they're in the same circle as us. We, uh, we berate um people like uh michael todd and um like kenneth copeland td jakes we need to buy them all these sorts of people but they are the product of the same movement so when i got to the when I discovered this strange co um strange fire conference thing it kind of all kind of brought everything to help. So he kind of like, he gave me answers to things that I had, um, I kind of arrived at the same thing, but I thought, I don't know whether it's a case where I might just be reading into certain things scripturally to kind of come to these conclusions. Um, 
But then, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it was a very bizarre thing because I don't know whether, Alfred, you've had any initial thoughts on it, but he, he just seemed to, he just seemed to, he was very, like, there, was, there were certain points where they were almost explaining me and where God might be moving with things, but then it's the kind of like, understand that, yeah, we do need to be very, very, very fervent, very, very critical and very, very, um, strong in terms of making sure that um, we are in holding into the way we're staying on the narrow road and that we're sticking to the fundamentals. But then um, it has it has felt like if you were to discuss these things that um, you might find that the, the true tenets of the faith aren't built on the fundamentals they're actually built on non-essentials and those non-essentials are very easy to uh if you were to apply pressure to them biblically they'd fall down quite quickly and if they fell quickly then you haven't got a movement left it's that sort of thing of do you do you press on or is it something that's going on in me um is it malicious is it you know a deceitful heart is it something that god's trying to do i don't know so it's like yeah there's so i feel like it has to be um oh well yeah yeah i certainly feel like for my sake i would have to walk through those things that are being said with somebody or like a group of people and then get those sorts of things discussed opened up just not necessarily um because i'm not like um, I'm very much for the, the, the sufficiency of scripture. That's the, the main basis for everything that we've all kind of like agree on. Um, but then when walking through these things, it's not a case of um, I'm coming in to say that, oh, you know, I don't like this and I don't like this. And this is why I feel such and such and such and such. It's literally just like, I want to know the truth. And if... Um, If there's anything we can do to at least change the trajectory on somebody's life and it means forsaking something for the sake of the gospel, I'm certainly willing to do so. But would we, would it mean or would it need the entire thing to take a completely different trajectory? Um, but I don't know, again, I don't know how far you've. Um, gone to at least like the first one, Alfred. I don't know if you have any thoughts on how that works or whether it's even something worth looking into immediately or to abandon at this point. I don't know. No, no. I think it's I think it's a conversation and a discussion we can have. Um, you know, um, and to look at um, you know some of the reason why um, those guys have their um, their criticism. Mm -hmm. and, um, and whether uh, whether whether because um, yeah, of course in everything people can have criticism but 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 the criticism might not be 100 percent um you know, you, you know probably there's a 90 probably there's a 10 percent um reason for criticism and probably um 90 90 of the the argument um is not in their favor you know mm -hmm. so 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 you, you'd have to you know what, what i said um sometime is that um if somebody if somebody says something and begin to promote um, a particular 
um, principle or idea or um, you know one of the one of the because what the thing that you do want to do is to say well is this person um, speaking from a position of truth and trustworthiness um, and one of the one of the thing that you begin that you need to begin to do is and this is not a bad thing is to look at the person's life their experience where they're coming from because where people coming from sometimes has shaped help to shape the way that they think today, you know, and we have um, examples of this in the scripture, which is not, and some people might think it was unreasonable why the apostles um, should question um, the apostle Paul's um, genuineness when he got converted. Well, um, there weren't really, uh, they had, a, their reason was, was reasonable. You know, um, it's reasonable to, 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 um, to be skeptic about something but when the proof of the validity and the trustworthiness and the of that thing is proven, you need to you need to um, step back now and embrace the thing for what it is and not what you what you thought it was. So the, the apostle Paul, you know, he was um, he was a slayer of the Christians. And so the Christians, when he got converted, they had all genuine reason to be skeptic that he's now he's now become one of them. You know, is this a trap? Is this um, is this something? Um, um, you know, is there, is this a ploy um, that, that he's using to to, to get to, to get them to entrap the Christian? So they were right to be skeptic. But then, as Jesus said, and as the Scripture says, and as the apostles would later say, you know, try the spirit. To see what it is up. So if they, if you now try the apostle Paul's spirit, what he's doing and what he's saying and what he's professing against what you know to be um, Christ, is he saying anything conflicting, contrary um, against Christ, or is he? Or if you look at it, is it, is everything marrying up with Christ? As a matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples when his disciples were ready to um, to. Um, you know, some people were preaching in the name of in, in Jesus, well, preaching the same kind of message that Jesus was preaching. And the disciples said, shall we call fire down from heaven to consume them? And mm -hmm. Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. He said, if they're not against us, they're for us. You know, you know if, and I think that is a good way to look at things. If somebody's not against you, then they are for you. They are, they, they, they're on the same side, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so 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 that is that's interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot that can be said. You know, for um, um, these guys um who have a anti, um, Pentecostal charismatic thing. You know, and the charismatic thing. You know, it has its um its problem as well. You know, because you know, and 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 I and I'm not saying the charismatic experience is not real. I believe it is a real experience. However. You know, um, you there are things that you need to test. You know, um, not everybody that, um, that 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 that's you know speaks in tongue. You know, <laughs> are speaking. You know, when a man, you know, some of the charismatic thing that come on board lately, a man who can come and say, Reese, um, and say, I'm speaking, I'm greeting you in tongues. Yeah. Now, you know. And you get these kind of, uh, uh, um, in my view, nonsensical um, idea that um, 
I can choose when I'm going to speak in tongues. You know, and I know that that is nonsense, you know, and I can stand and say it's nonsense. Otherwise, the Apostle Paul would never be able to say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Because if you could speak in tongues at will, then, you know, who could say who could speak in tongues more than anybody else if it was at will? You know, we could, we could, we could, we could stop all night speaking in tongues. So who's can, who can speak in tongue more? Who speak in tongue more than anybody else? You know, if we can do it at will, then we can all speak tongue more than anybody else. You can speak tongue as far as uh, as fast as your tongue can move. You know, you know. So so obviously we know that uh, speaking in tongue is not something that happens by 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 the will of man. You know, um, otherwise the apostle Paul, it's a it's a gift of God. It's an engagement of the spirit, and it's it's not we can't unction it. You know, um, otherwise we're babbling. We're we're it's nonsensical. It's 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 unintelligent. In you know. You know, but if it's the Holy Spirit intervene in our experience and, and use us to speak in unknown tongues and whatever as well, that is God. But here's the thing. It is possible for people to get emotionally carried away. And that is, that is the danger, you know, whereby, you know, um, we need to be able to discern. And we need to be able to teach. And, and part of this whole thing, why people get... Um, charismatically carried away, if I use that word, is because they're, they're not grounded in the word. You know, when you're grounded in the word of God, that, mod, that moderates your behavior, it moderates your thinking, it moderates your emotion. And a lot of the charismatic, thing, oh, let me, let me re retract, some of the charismatic thing that goes on amongst common people that we might know and come across, it's, 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 it's um, you know, you can tell that there's a lot of it emotionally charged, you know, mm. and um, and and it's like me looking at Reese, and and I, it's like being at a football match, and everybody stand up and do a Mexican wave. One person stand up and do a Mexican wave, next you know, the next person to him, and then all of a sudden everybody following in synchrony, you know, because that's an emotional thing. It's a, you know, um, people get, um, you know, people are. Um, respond like that as human being you know if, if if somebody's running if somebody's running everybody start to run thinking that there's danger behind them you know so we need to be careful and we need and the bible uses a word it says we should be sober and being sober means being conscious at all time being in the moment you know so that um you know I i'll give you an example and I'll never forget this is, and this is a, this is a, an example of being sober. I was, we were, we went. This was one of the first time that I had gone to America to the assembly. I think that was 1976. And um, <clears throat> me, Pastor McCullough, and and Brother Benny, um, we were in the same in the same house, and we were actually sleeping in the same bed. Yeah, and um, and in the night, uh, you know. I, I, I jump up and I say, snake, snake, snake in the bed. You know, I, I'm having a dream because I have a snake. I have a, a snake thing goes on in my head. Um, I used to, not so much now, um, as far as dreaming and things that I still do not like to see and look, look on snakes still, mm -hmm. you know, but, but they don't haunt my dreams anymore. You know, they, they don't, I'm, I, I am, I'm level-headed 
in my mind to know that say, they can't hurt me. If I know that there's something that if I know that the dark night can't hurt me, I will not be terrified of the dark night. Mm-hmm. If I know that going to sleep and and uh, um, and nothing, no dream, no myth, no um, no shadow, no ghost can hurt me, I will sleep comfortable and I won't. I won't. I won't. But but it wasn't so in 1976. I I jump up in the in the in the bed in the middle of the snake in the bed. I'm brother Benny jump up. Brother Benny said, "Where where 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 where?" And Pastor Matt just as calm as a cucumber. He was as calm as a cucumber. You know, he was as calm as a cucumber. I can't remember what he said, but because he knew that said there was no such thing. Yeah, you know, and that's sober. He was, and we all woke up. I woke them all up in that moment. Better Benny said, "Where, where, where, where?" You know, and then Pastor Matt was as calm as a cucumber. And that's the level of soberness at any moment, at any time. We need to have a sense of soberness about us in any situation. So we don't behave. If you're not sober, you'll behave irrational. You'll behave silly. And I'm I'm suggesting that some of what goes on amongst us is very irrational. Because it's like it's like um, what I call psychosomatic. You see one person do something and, and then the next person, the next person do it. You know, and yet there are genuine experiences. Not cannot deny those experiences. There, there are genuine experiences. But some of what goes on amongst us is excess. You know, and I give you an example why I know this. Well, this is this is not an example why I know. This is one example. You know, um, that that I came across. And I remember when Pastor Brown was alive, and we were at Wedgecross Street. And there was, a, there was a sister there and she, there was something emotional going on. I think she wasn't feeling well. I think, she, yeah, she was not feeling well. You know, sometimes, sometimes you feel like you're gonna die at a moment like that. And all of a sudden she started to stomp the floor, stomp the floor and getting, in, getting into a kind of a spirit. There's a kind of a spirit. I'm, I'm saying it was emotionalism, you know, and Pastor, I remember Pastor Brown said, okay, sister, okay, sister. No, no, don't worry, don't worry. Calm down now, calm down now. Yeah, because he knows, he knew that the woman's feeling of ill health and fatality brought on this emotional feeling where you feel that the thing that you must do is stomp the floor and, and start to and start to speak in and start to speak in some sort of a um, um, mysterious um, way, you know. But it, but but you know, and 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 and, and some Pastor Brown said, "Okay, sister, calm down, now, calm down, calm." Because it was it was an emotional experience, you know, and and some of these things and I go back again, brother Reese, sister Evelyn, and the fourth person on the platform, you know, is that um, what will keep those behavior in check is sobriety in the Word of God. The Word of God is what keeps us stable. That's why the apostle. That's why the teaching of the Word of God, if anything we should we should excel in and and do more and more of is solid sound biblical teaching you know because that's what the bible said you know um you know he gave some apostles and some prophets and some teachers and pastors you know um for the for for, for the for what for the um for the edification of the saints for the edification of the church you know uh, and wise you know um so that we were at the end of the journey of those ministers, 
because of the engagement of those ministers and ministries, you know, you know, um, we will be, we will grow, we'll mature in the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. And it goes on somewhere else to say, so that we will be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And there's a lot of wind of doctrine that's going around in, 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 in all, all around the place. And because we're not sober and grounded in the words of God, we get carried away. And I would suggest, Brother Reese, so, some of what you were saying earlier about people, you know, saying, um, you know, you know um, they're using their own standard of experience as being, as being the gospel, as being the gospel as presented to them. You know, you know, I, you know I, I would say, I would say the reason for that is because the reason why they're giving so much weight to their own experience, it justifies them when they fail. But if you measure yourself at the highest standard, if you measure yourself against yourself, that's a pretty poor standard to measure yourself. Mm -hmm. You measure yourself against something that is far more lofty than yourself. That is true test of whether you are achieving anything, mm -hmm. you know. And um, and so so if we were to measure ourselves against the apostles and the early Christians and and those people whom we know and we probably can actually be bold and brave enough to say something about them, that I, I if I was going to be bold and say I would say the apostle Paul has made it in. Hmm. You can't say that about me because yeah. <laughs> I ain't there yet. You know, you don't know what could happen tomorrow. You know, I would like to be confident and bold in my spirit and say, uh, you know, this won't happen. But, 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 uh, but we know with surety the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle, we can say with clarity, they have made it in. Why? The, the, the revelation testified about, about them. They have made it in. You know, so um, we, 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 we can we can we can lay hold on um on Moses. Moses has made it in. We can lay hold on Daniel. He has made it in. We can lay hold on um Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and say they have made it in. Therefore, who better to take pattern from than those people who we know have made it in? Mm. You know, and uh, and that's why we talk about reference before because if you know. Even the whole Jewish nations and prophets, they use the tested, the tried and tested as their point of reference. So when they're talking about God, they don't know God. The Jews don't know God. But they do know somebody who knew God. They knew, they knew Abraham. They knew Jacob and they knew Isaac. They knew that those people knew God. So you notice what they, when they're talking and calling upon God, say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That mm. is their proof. They don't know God for themselves properly, but you know, as but their forefathers, whose history and journey they knew, they knew those people through their experience and their life that they knew God. So you're anchoring upon those people. And the same thing is true, Brother Reese. You know, you, 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 you know when you test and prove that Elijah is a man of God, you hear, you hear what Elijah said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Hmm. You know, because that's the reference. You know that that man knew God. And so, Reese, we know that those apostles and those prophets knew God. We can't use our own testimonies and our own experience as standard bearer 
to hold people to account and to hold and to help people to aspire. You might as well you go to some psychiatrists or whatever and let them use their experience and tell you their business as well, you know. But mm -hmm. we have a far higher weight of evidence and proof and strength and gravity and holiness that we can draw reference and take pattern from. The Apostle Paul says, we have become your ensample, you know, um, and that's what they are there. They God has given them as a pattern of, of what we should aspire to. You know, so so that's what that's what I say at uh, 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 this, this, this moment, um, Brother Reese. Okay. Thank you for holding out until the very end for those who have decided to to up until this point. Um, hope you've been able to take something away and I do encourage you to, like has mentioned in this episode, to, to really check with yourself, check with your friends and your family to find out whether our core fundamentals are, are intact. I can't help but remember Paul's letter to the, the Galatians where he set them off in the truth but then due to um, these Judaizers as they are called come along and say they accept everything that these guys are following doctrinal wise but they want to introduce new things like circumcision and how Paul comes with a serrated edge and condemns them for doing the very thing because in, I guess in our context, circumcision is a very minor thing, but just adding minor things to the gospel can distort it majorly. So I would implore you to, to just double check to find out, especially with the, how the things have gone with the last few episodes, to find out that what you actually believe is consistent with what the, what the gospel is and what, what ultimately our standard should be what the word of God says and there's nothing else and as you've also heard um, we are slowly preparing for tackling our upcoming topic of are we playing with strange fire I hope you've heard this little segment um, of a trainer um, a few weeks ago just to give you a little bit of a context if you do want to listen to the whole things I'll leave a link for the playlist in the description um, along with the usual means for you to leave your, your comments and your questions and your ideas and topics. Um, I think this might be the trajectory that things might have been going for a while um, and I'm personally not sure as to how it will all unfold. Um, it might be a case where these things just need to happen if it's a case of us learning something or people understanding the gospel in its true nature um, and also dropping off behaviours and stuff that are inconsistent with scripture so that we can become a effective and edifying church that can be an impact to the community. And while in amongst all that, well, I'm still preparing um, to to tackle the, the two sides of, uh, of building a biblical man and building a, unconstructing a biblical woman. Um, I'm hoping to have 
the women exclusively tackle theirs without any sort of uh, male presence involved and the men doing the same uh, but that's going to take some time to do um, so I certainly encourage you to, to look out for that but yes I hope that you have enjoyed everything thus far um, by all means yes if you want to share your, your views um, the links will be seen in the description until the next one take care and God bless